0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: ...there in some miniature fashion, but God has allowed us to become what we are today. And whatever we're not, the privilege, the ability, and the strength to become more is right at our fingertips. And so let's let the word of God just uh, do something to us today in the name of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, join me in 2 Kings 4, verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings 4, verses 1 through 7. And uh, I heard someone the other day saying, uh, I was in a service and a preacher gave his text and then he said, and while you're finding that, let me say, and he made... A couple of additional comments. And uh, years ago, that was, that was kind of how you had to do it. It took take some people a few minutes to find. And today, with technology being what it is, it's already on the screen. And so we've lost that few minutes just to talk <laughs> while people find their scripture. It's already there for the most part. But don't forget to bring your Bible to church. Amen. Bring your Bible to church and uh, have one you can either type with or type on or write in, write on because something may be born in your heart and uh, no matter how familiar the territory, no matter how familiar the passage. The book of Second Kings 4 and verse number one, the Bible says, now there cried a certain woman unto the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha saying, thy servant my husband is dead And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid has not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go. Borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. When thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay thy debt and live thou and thy children of the rest. Amen. I want to just, today a very familiar passage but I want to just talk to us even from a familiar subject and my title today would be simply this using what we have using what we have I find it amazing and and I know you're standing but let me just say one more thing I know that that throughout the word of God we can find where God just anoints that that is common to us we are fearfully wonderfully made and so when Moses needed a miracle at the Red Sea. The Lord didn't send him off to a training course. He just said, use that that's in your hand. Take that that you're already familiar with. And so I believe today that God can take what we have that is unique to us, and he can use it for his glory. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Of course, there's a lot of things... uh, In this story, there is, of course, the man of God, Elisha, and there is the woman who is making her plea. And there is, of course, uh, in her life, a lot of turmoil and trouble. She has lost her husband to death and now is about to lose her sons to the debtor to become slaves or collateral until the debt is paid. She has a lot going on in her life. But amid all the things that we've talked about, the focus of our story really is the oil. The oil that was needed. The oil that was lacking. At the center. At the center is the oil. All throughout scripture, oil serves as as symbolism or, or as symbolic, perhaps I should say of the presence of the Holy Spirit or the anointing of God. And so oil is very, very critical. It's very powerful to, and it is the tool that we depend on for what we do in church because we don't believe that church is just a social club and we don't believe that we've just come today so that, so that we can hear a message or hear a song or we can render uh, any of those things. We have come dependent upon the anointing of God the anointing of God and so it, it, it is necessary and vital that we understand uh, that there is no cost too high for the oil amen the, the, the scripture talks about in, uh, when Moses was or when they were dedicating rather the, t- the temple and dedicating the vessels and then there was the anointing oil there's a recipe for the anointing oil and of the cinnamon so much, and of the calamus so much, and, and of the myrrh so much. And uh, there, there, are, uh, there are dollar amounts for what these things would cost. And then when he said the oil, he said there, you need a hen, H-I-N, of oil, olive. But there was no cost associated with the oil. And uh, I've often said the reason there was no cost associated with the oil We're familiar with this today, much like today. Oil prices rise and fall. Amen. Sometimes we come into the church, it doesn't matter if it's Sunday or Wednesday, and just the very first song, the anointing is here, the power of God is just here. It was just on the middle shelf where we could all reach it. And there are other times that the anointing of God in a service or in a song or in a message uh, it seems like the price is a little bit higher. We have to lean a little bit harder and and pull just a little bit harder to get heaven closer to us. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and so whatever, it, whatever the cost, we need to be willing to pay the price for the oil. Amen. The anointing of God. I remember as a very young man, our church here, it was still in the old white building, was hosting a conference and I remember someone preaching about the the price of oil. Of course, this would have been in the early to mid-70s, I suppose, maybe the late 70s. And and, uh, a gas crisis at that time was going on. And I can remember a preacher getting up and talking about on his way to that conference that he had paid a dollar a gallon for gas. And, uh, you know, it just struck fear in the heart to think that gas would go... Uh, To a dollar a gallon, and now if we feel like we can get it for three dollars and twenty cents a gallon, we're just getting a deal. That I saw gas the other day about three twenty-four, three twenty-six, something like that. I had to wait in line to get gas. I thought, now my my, (laughs) but I was willing to stay there because I wanted the better deal. And so the oil, no matter what, no matter what, I want to pay the price to have the anointing of God upon my life. I want you to consider the woman in this story and her situation in its entirety. I briefly mentioned a moment ago, but as you begin to read this, it doesn't take long to see that this woman was facing several severe dilemmas. There were a lot of things on the table of her life. You'll notice that she faced first the death of her husband. In verse number one, the Bible says, There cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband is dead and thou knowest that he did fear the Lord. Amen. She said, my, my husband is dead. So she's dealing with the immeasurable grief that would come from losing a companion. And the Bible says that she even made reference to the fact that he was a good man, a godly man. And so this wasn't a man that she was glad to see exit her life. She was very traumatized by this. It appears that From her comments, he was not just a good man but a godly man. The Bible says, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. That phrase, fear the Lord, is a very common phrase all throughout Scripture. And so here is this woman grasping, fighting, trying to make sense of the situation in her own personal life. However, the death of her husband was just one half or one portion of the peril that she was facing. Because the other part of that was that the scripture says that because of financial obligations and responsibilities, not only was there a dilemma in her life due to the death of her husband, but now there has been, uh, there has been uh, levied against her uh, this financial obligation that her husband left. And I'm not painting him out uh, as irresponsible, but there was debt that was left. And so... Uh, the Bible says in the, in the creditor, the same verse, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Her sons were gonna literally be taken for collateral until that debt was paid, and so they became bondmen, or another word for bondmen in scripture is slaves. In the days of our text the biblical law allowed for such practices of debtors to work off their debt. They literally had to work it off. That was established in the 25th chapter of Leviticus. The enslaving of family members as payment was common practice. And so if you just didn't have the money to pay it, you just worked it all off. You mean we've all kind of joked, or many people have joked around about that in a restaurant when somebody's, everybody's acting like they can't find their wallet. You ever been in that situation? Everybody's claiming they left it at home We're trying to figure out how many dishes we're gonna have to wash in order to get out of here. So here is this woman facing a lot of stress in her situation. She's lost her husband. Now she is about to lose another measure and another level of security, in that being her sons to a fearless creditor. And though this woman faced this dilemma, there was something in her that still was grounded enough to seek for spiritual counsel. Amen, now these are two serious things to lose your husband and then now to realize I may lose my sons and and we don't know how much the debt would have been nor how long she would have lost them for a short period of time, medium or forever. We have no idea of knowing that but there was something in her that that was deeper than her love for her companion and something in her that was even deeper than her love for her own sons and that was her love of God. And she said, God, I've got to have some counsel from the Lord. I need to hear from the Lord. Amen. So we, we know, uh, we had to look and see what she did during times like this. And the Bible talks about these men and women that are bound up in this book have been given to us as examples or in samples so that we can, we can mimic our lives after them. What, what would you do if this happened? I believe there's a, uh, here's a lady before us that set the benchmark pretty high. She said, I, I've, I've already had a funeral and I'm about to suffer more loss and I've got no money and this, I'm down to nothing, but I'm gonna seek God. Let me tell you something, when things go wrong, that's not the time to stay home from church. Amen, when things are going wrong in our lives, that's, that's not the time to separate yourself from God. Amen, if there was ever a time to be in the house of God, that is the time to be in the house of God. Furthermore, uh, let me just say this, when things are going good, that's not the time to separate yourself from God either because you're only one, one moment away from everything you think you have all nailed down secure being gone. We live in an hour of great uncertainty and so I wanna be here to praise him in the good times. Amen, I wanna be here to praise him in the bad times. I don't want a rock to take my place. Amen, furthermore, I don't even want you to take my place. Amen, I wanna have my voice here. I want him to hear from me. And so we notice where it was and 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 from whom it was that this lady called. In verse one, she said, There cried a certain woman, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of, of the prophets unto Elisha. Amen. She said, I'm going where I know I can get a word from the Lord. She called for the man of God. While it's true she faced a great dilemma, it is also true that she understood exactly where her help and her strength was gonna come from. I think that I am safe in saying this today. I think that I am safe in saying that we as a church long for a spirit or the spirit of revival to abide in our midst. I'm not talking about a revival as in a few nights of service. I'm not talking about a revival as in a guest speaker. But I'm just talking about a spirit of revival in this hour Revival that when we come together, whether it's one or two or three, or whether it's a houseful, no matter what uh, the setting may be, that we can feel the anointing and the power of God. Revival fires burning in this very hour. I think I'm safe in saying that. We long to see a move of God not just in our church but in our respective communities and I know there are multiple communities that are represented here today and so it's not just this area that we're trying to impact. This just happens to be where the building is located. Amen, but our impact, our true impact is gonna happen when we walk outside the door. Our true impact is gonna be how we act tomorrow on the job, how we we conduct ourselves on Tuesday. That is where the impact comes from because I will tell you today that everybody that needs the Holy Ghost is not in this house right now. Everybody that needs the Holy Ghost, there may be some that never even walk into this house, but that's why the church has gotta be the church. Church, anointed, revived, amen, anointed to the place that we say, God, I don't have a whole lot, but if you can just take what I have, if we can just use what I have, if you will anoint what I can do, you may feel like you're the least in the kingdom, you may feel like you have the least to bring to the table, but let me tell you that God can anoint what we have, and when we yield that to him, lives can be changed, lives can be impacted. Families, entire families can be transformed when we use what we have. We're longing to see that move of God. And so the world is, as I mentioned a moment ago, filled with great uncertainty. There are some things that that while the world is marked with uncertainty, there are some things that we have a great assurance of. Amen. I'm not here to give you an exhaustive list but I'm gonna tell you that I know this about God that when people are spiritually hungry God will meet that need and he will satisfy that hunger. Amen, amen. I I hope you receive this in the spirit that I say it in but I have prayed so many years and so many times through the years. I've said to the Lord, God, I don't want you to turn a deaf ear to me. I don't want you to turn a deaf ear to our church because we're hungry for a move of your spirit. We're hungry. And I would say to this to the Lord, not to sound disrespectful, nor am I here to try to sound arrogant, but I would say, Lord, for all the people that are happy and content with status quo, I don't think you're going to ignore hunger. I don't think you'll ignore someone that says, I thank you for what you did last weekend, but we need another touch from you today. I don't want to try to live off of our past. I don't want to try to live off of our rich history. Amen. Because the further we get away from that history, amen, that, that will mean nothing to our young, another generation that are coming on. They're not even going to be able to wrap their mind around some, something that hap, happened 70 years ago or something that happened 50 60 years ago or 50 years ago. But I'll tell you what, they can wrap their mind around. They can wrap their mind around what would happen today in this service. I was there. I was there on that September morning when the power of God began to move and begin to sweep and begin to change my life. Amen. The generation that is today the generation that even includes you and I, we need testimonies of our own, not just testimonies of those behind us. Hallelujah. And so to the hungry, I know God will satisfy and it will come in thirsty. I know God will pour and rain his power down upon us if we come in here with a longing, a longing in our heart. He will not allow us to leave with that long and unsatisfied. Hallelujah. I just believe that about God. I just believe that about God. That he, he is drawn to hunger. He is drawn to thirst. He is drawn to those that long for his power and presence. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God, you're so good. We can find what we need in him. Not only was her desire expressed in her call to the man of God, but it was also evidenced, I believe, in in the spiritual condition of the man from whom she was seeking counsel from. I, I, I can't get away from that scripture in Malachi. I mentioned it a few services ago, I think two and seven, that, that the Bible talks about that the lips of the man of God would have a word, amen, and they would be looking to those lips for that word, amen, I believe that there was ever a day that that certainly the ministry needs to have a word upon our lips, it's the day that we're living in here. I mean, the last thing you came, expected today was for me or whoever was gonna stand behind this desk to get up here and start fumbling through our Bible and say, well, if you give me just a minute, I'll try to come up with something. That's not what you come to expect. That's not, what you came, that's not what you came seeking for, and so I think there needs to be a word upon the lips of the ministry at large. I'm not just preaching to me or, or about me, but I'm talking about a word on the lips of the ministry. I, I believe that with all of my heart, and then there needs to be a seeking. The other half of that equation is there needs to be a seeking from the pew, amen, to say, I'm gonna look at those lips, amen, I'm gonna follow, I'm gonna look there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna connect to that, Because we need a rema, a fresh word of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for a fresh word. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for a fresh word. Hallelujah. And so I say that because Elisha, Elisha, he already, it just seems as though he knew what to do. God had put a word in his mouth. God had filled his spirit with something to do. And it seems as though he is sort of testing her. I don't know if that's your take on that or not but it just seems that he puts her to a test he examines how bad does she really wants god to do something for her in her life in fact you'll notice that that the condition he gave her rested upon two questions that he posed in this conversation he said first "Elisha said unto her what shall i do for thee what would you have me to do Amen, There, I, I, here's the situation, I've lost my husband, my, my sons are in trouble, I've got financial peril, and he said, what do you need for me to do? The fact of the matter is simple. Amen, it's not until we express the urgency of the need that God is gonna break through and meet that need. I believe pray in praying specific prayers, I really do. I know there are times, Lord, I love you. I know there are times and seasons, God, you're so good, and you're so wonderful, and you're marvelous, and he is all. Of those things, but I believe in praying specifically, amen. Whenever I am trying to get a hold of God about a matter, I'm going to bring that matter before the Lord. I don't want to just assume the Lord knows, but I want to hear Him declare it. I want Him to hear me declare it with my own lips What is it that you need? And then the second question He asked is, What do you have? What do you need? and what do you have? In verse number two of 2 Kings four, Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? What do you have in the house? Amen, the condition for this miracle, was not only dependent upon what was needed but the the miracle was also hinged upon what they already possessed. Amen. So he said what is it that you need and what is it that you have in the house? And so the miracle now is hinged upon two things. What is your need and what do you already have? What are you doing with what God has already given you to work with? Let me tell you if we just say we're going to fold our arms and sit here until some revival spirit blows in uh, if we're just going to fold our arms and sit here until a miracle happens or this that or that happens we are kidding ourselves amen I'm going to tell you what we're going to do amen when it's high we're going to be having church amen when it's kind of just mediocre we're going to be having church and when it's dry and we can't seem to pull the two ends together we're still going to be having church amen we're going to sing because he's worthy we're going to pray because he is worthy We are gonna lean in because he is God and this is not about us. Amen, what we're gonna do is preach. You're just gonna preach. We're gonna preach. Amen, what about if nobody's saying amen? That's all right. Amen, we're gonna preach anyhow. What are we gonna do during the worship service if nobody claps their hands? Or nobody leaps for joy. Or nobody raises their hand. We're gonna sing anyhow. We're gonna sing anyhow. It may be a drought. There may be a famine. Amen. But we are going to use what we already have. My, my, my! <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna use what we have. We're gonna use, we're gonna use what we have. I I remember Brother Varnum I'm trying to think of the venue we were here I'm trying to think of the venue that Brother Varnum shared this in but in some of the earlier years of Bellevue uh, they, they were they were Going through a particular trial as a church, and 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 Brother Varnum said that not, not necessarily all due to trouble or problems, but just people transferred out, and this happened, that happened, and and they lost their key musicians. And he he said, "You, we we didn't know what we were going to do." And he said, "I felt impressed." He said that that. The, the the last service they had when all this when all this happened he said i want the next time we come to church wherever that was sunday or wednesday he said i want everybody to bring something with you to make music i don't care if it's a guitar i don't care if it's cymbals i don't care what it is i want you to bring something with you to church and we're going to make music now i know that just sounds like utter chaos and i'm probably sure it sounded like utter chaos amen but it was a statement of faith amen That's what I'm driving at. It was a statement of faith. We may have lost the best. We may have lost the best and the most talented, the most gifted. He said, but we are not gonna roll up the doors, roll up the sidewalks rather, and shut the doors and lock them. We're gonna bring something. And if you know anything about Bellevue, amen, you know today they have some of the greatest, I'm talking about studio musicians, amen, in their their congregation. Are you hearing me? We're gonna use what we have. That's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna pack it in. We're not going to roll it up. We're not going to say, well, you know, the drummer didn't show up tonight, and so I don't know if we're going to be able to sing. Uh, You know, the guitar player, he didn't come tonight. I I don't know if we're going to be able to have church or not. We're going to keep singing anyway. Amen. We're going to clap. Amen. We're going to worship. Why? Because we are going to use what we have Hallelujah, say, well, we're gonna use this preacher or we're gonna use this teacher. Well, say, they're not as skilled or they're not this or they're not that. Well, they will be if we just keep going and you just keep pushing and you just keep doing it. Hallelujah, God will anoint what we have. It will yield it into his hands and for his service. Yes, he will, yes, he will. My, my, my. I, I just say all that to, to remind you that part of her miracle hinged upon what she already possessed. It was not adequate. It was nowhere near enough. But she still had to exercise what she had. Amen. And so we need to exercise what we have. I'm gonna tell you, we've got some great singers in this church. My, my, my. I mean, they can... They don't need a bucket. They can carry the tune. Amen. But there's an outside chance that there's some people in here that can't sing. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your neighbor. (laughs) But don't sit there because you can't sing and say, I have nothing to offer. Sing with all you have. Sing with all you got. You may lose a few friends in the process. They may have to transfer over an aisle or two, but give every give everything you have unto the Lord. Amen. Give it unto the Lord. Put cotton in your ears or do something. Amen. Let's give God what we have. Is that making sense? Amen. God Elijah said, what do you need and what do you have? What do you need and what do you have? He didn't say, well, that ain't going to be near enough. I don't know what we're going to do. He wasn't scratching his head. He said, we're going to take what you have. And God is going to connect and hinge upon what you have. Amen. As you know, the woman was down, according to the scripture, to just one single pot of oil. And I must move on. Some commentary suggests that this was a vessel of anointing oil. Her husband maybe used this oil before his death, and now it's just been sitting idle on the shelf. Nevertheless, amen, it is in the oil that the miracle takes place. And so we're not here to try to debate where it it was, what it was. Amen, it was both something that she needed and it was something that she had at least a little bit of. The prophet saw something in that one pot of oil that he could work with. And I'm gonna tell you, this song has often been rendered to try to explain away smallness and small things. And that's a very very strong tragedy but i'm going to tell you the old songwriter had it right that says little is much if God is in it, amen, labor not for wealth or fame, amen, little can be much if God is in it, that's not to try to excuse a small offering, that's not to try to excuse a small attendance, that's not to try to excuse some small turnout, amen, but I'm going to tell you that God can take what we have, and when God anoints what you have, you need to look out, amen, because God has an endless supply of whatever it may be that we need, it begins with what we offer. Already have, And so it begins with you. It begins with me. God is not interested in what your neighbor has. God's not interested for us in what another church has or what they're doing. God is only interested in what you and I have and what we're doing with what we have. And I submit to you today that we already possess enough. Amen. Do we possess enough to finish? Do we possess enough to win? Do we possess enough to go ahead and buy the trophy? Amen. Not on our own, but if God will anoint what we have. Then we possess enough to put the trophy on the mantle. We possess enough to do this and finish the project. We have it if God will anoint what we have. And he will anoint what we have. It will yield it to him and render it unto him. Amen. I am am very tenderhearted about missions, home and global missions. And when I think about, when I think about, what, what we can and have accomplished as a church. I'm very thankful for what God has allowed us to do through the efforts of every family. Amen, just saying I'll do what I can. I'll give what I can. It's not what you give. I say that all the time. It's that we give. And several years ago, I've shared this, but several years ago, I was looking through one of the magazines that I get, and I saw a report about the, the, the overall general offering for global missions of that year. And I saw among the top five in, the, in that giving, I, th- I saw among the top five, uh, it was an unusual listing, and forgive me for not remembering what it was exactly. Uh, some of those were the, the districts that were top the first top giver or the second giver in, in missions and then and then down there somewhere between one and five was this number in red and I thought what in the world is that and I called Brother Williams and this was a number of years ago and, and I didn't understand how the report was reading I said what is this line here that, that is in red and he said that number represents the number of dollars that have been given by missionaries I started crying I said you have got to be kidding me these men and women that stand behind this desk to raise a budget have figured into their budget enough that they can support other missionaries in other countries are you hearing me Amen. There is there, that ought to reach out and grab us that, instead of saying, oh, "I need all this for myself." I'm doing a great work for God. They said, "If we're going to win in this thing, we are going to have to reach outside of what we're doing." Amen. I I know that the Spirit of God has impressed upon us in recent years on me, and I've shared it with you, and you have obviously embraced that. That if we would do for those, then God would do for us. And I'm here today to tell you that little can be much. If God is in it, and so whatever it may be, you may feel it's so insignificant. You may not feel it's anything at all, but I'm going to tell you if you'll give that in the name of Jesus. I'm not talking about giving it to me. Amen. I'm saying if you'll give that to God and the missions and and those programs, God can and will anoint it, and it will meet the need. But we got to use what we have. I feel confident, I feel confident that people, maybe not everybody, but I feel confident that if I were to say if you had an extra million dollars, would you give it to missions? I feel confident there are men in this house and women in this house that would raise their hand and sincerely do it. But here's the fly in the ointment. If we have to wait for you to get your million Are we just going to sit down and not, not do anything until that comes along? I don't know why I'm on missions. It's not in my notes, but I'm here today to tell you something. I don't want you to think that I'm boasting in this, but this is just how passionate I feel. I had a, a, one of my very best friends that had started a daughter work. They're, I mean, started a home missions work. And, 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 uh, and one day, very sincerely, he told me this. He said, he said, right now, we can't afford to give to global missions. And right now, we can't afford to give to North American missions. He said, but when we get our church established, he said, I can't wait to get on board. I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're thinking wrong you can't afford not to give to Global Missions. You can't afford not to give to North American You can't afford not to do that. And you know what? On the phone, he said, you know, I never thought about it that way. I never thought about it that way. And I, I, he said, we're going to begin. We're going to start. And I'm going to tell you, they pastor a church of several hundred now. Are you hearing me? They give thousands of dollars to missions and home missions. Why? I, I'm not trying to take credit for that. What I'm trying to do is tell you that we, gotta get, that we can't get the car to the head of the horse. Amen. We are going to use what we have and let God. And so with that said, I'll tell you this. We already possess enough. Amen. We already have enough. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know. If we'll hand it to God, it will be enough. If we look at our wallet and say, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to tell you that it will be enough. If we look in our heart and we see our time or our talent rather and our abilities and we think, I don't know. I'm shy. I'm this. I'm that. I don't know if I could ever be used of God. I'm going to tell you today that God doesn't just work in dollars and cents, but God works works with ability. God works with minds. God works with hearts. God works with vessels. Hallelujah. Whether that vessel holds oil or whether that vessel holds our own life, I yield it to God. Use what you have. Use what you have. Amen. You're never going to evolve into anything more until you start exercising what you have. Amen. You're going to have to exercise what you have you're going to have to do what you can do if you're going to brother Jerry and I had a friend well it's still a friend but he used to live close by here man that guy could do more push ups than anybody I had ever met in my life and he, he, he worked with brother Jerry and brother Adrian there for a little while and man that rascal work out in the hot field and get to the end of the row and just do a few hundred push ups I couldn't do that. I know that shocked some of you. (laughs) I couldn't do that. But he didn't start out doing that. You start out doing what you can. Start out doing what you can. Start out doing what you can. And so sometimes we're trying to ring the bell, the top bell, when we're not ringing the bells that we can reach. Do what you can and let God anoint what you have. Amen. The Apostle Paul did far more than just allude to the power of God, the power that God has. Here's what Ephesians 3 and 20 says. I know that we could quote this. Most people could quote at least get it close. But here's what Ephesians 3:20 says. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above, abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now, while referencing this passage, just leave that up there for a moment. While referencing this passage, we generally focus on the phrase, able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. That's generally the part we shout about. And we've already broke out one of them apostolic hallelujahs before we get to the last little portion that's a powerful promise and that promise has given birth to countless sermons and songs but there's something that we just simply cannot afford to overlook he did say exceeding he did say abundantly he did say above all that we could think or ask but we must never forget the last eight words of this passage according to the power that worketh in us, he will do all of that, but he's gotta have something to work with, God needs a voice, God needs some hands, God needs some feet, amen, God needs somebody that will march out into the field and say, here am I Lord, Do what you can. And so it begins with me. It begins with you. Collectively, it begins with us. We need not look anywhere else. We may have only one pot of oil, but hear me this morning, it is enough. It's enough for God to use to ignite a flame of revival in this community and beyond. However, the problem does not lie in what we possess, but the problem lies in what we think or what we perceive. Amen, we think, well, I know God can do it over there, and I know God can do it Over here, but we struggle to think that God could do it right here among us. Amen. It doesn't lie with what we experience altogether. What really happens is is hinge upon our expectation. I'm gonna tell you: if you come looking for a drab song, if you come looking for some worship singing that you don't like, you'll probably find that. If you come looking for a sermon that makes you mad, you'll probably find that if you come looking for this that's probably what you'll find but I'm gonna tell you if you come in and you're looking for something that will refresh my soul amen if that's what you're looking for that's what you'll find if you're looking for a message that somewhere in that message you'll find encouragement and strength and guidance and hope that's what you'll find amen I want to come in with a spirit of expectation hallelujah I come today looking for God to move thank you Lord for last Sunday thank you Lord for the Sunday before, thank you Lord for last Wednesday, thank you for the Wednesday before but oh it has never been September the 28th 2014, it has never been this day and today today we need the power of God, the power of God, the anointing of God to fall fresh amen what you have is enough amen, it is enough too often the reason we don't see anything happen is because we don't expect it to happen. Amen, we know God can. We know that God wants to, but what will he do it for me? There is the rub. But when the woman realized that her, her oil pot possessed the miracle, when she realized that it was there that the miracle lie, the prophet had her attention. She believed him. She believed him. You see no argument about, well, but. You see no argument, well, you you don't see anything but just obedience. To just step in to that. I'm going to tell you, the Lord can ask you to do some odd things. He He asked Ezekiel to do some very odd things. He sure did. And so far, the Lord's never asked me to do something that extreme. But the Lord has asked me to do some things that I didn't understand. As a matter of fact, just recently, within the last couple of weeks, the Lord impressed upon my heart to do something. I shared it with my wife. I said, I don't know. I don't really know why. I don't really know what's going on. And she said, well, you, we, you just need to be obedient to that. Of course, I, I knew I needed to do that, but she just confirmed that. And so I, I went with some great sense of expectation. I was sitting among there like a blown there. Because I think I I think God had me there for a purpose. And so as we often do, I'm listening for every little song. Every time somebody talks in between a song, I'm listening. <laughs> I was certainly listening to the preaching. And there was something that happened, some comments that were made in the course of that service. And pardon me for just speaking in pig Latin here, but this is kind of personal. And so I was just, I was kind of confused. The service ended and I got in my car and went home. And I shared with my wife a few excerpts of that. And the next morning, my wife called me into the den and, and I walked into the den and she said you, you remember what you shared with me last night she said that's what God had you there to hear and I would missed it I had missed it even though I heard it and even shared it with her God had planted me in a place to hear something from him specifically amen boy it got real quiet like he really is oh I don't know where he's going with all this if, God, if we just give God what we have yes, amen in spite of her dilemma here's my point in spite of her dilemma something started rising up in her amen our musicians are coming and I'm going to come in for a landing here the prophet spoke faith started creating something within her and that something that I'm referring to was nothing more than desire yes yes she was facing a dilemma. But God was allowing faith to be born in her heart, even during a trying season of her life. Notice the instructions. He said, Go borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, verses 3 and 4. Even empty vessels, borrow not a few. When thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons. And thou shalt pour out into those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. She said, You just keep pouring from your pot Until every vessel is full. When that vessel is full, you set it to the side, get the next vessel, and you start pouring until that vessel is full. And now God is going beyond the call of duty. His provision will always be more than enough. The Bible says in verse number six, and it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a, a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more And the oil stayed. Amen. We watch her as long as she stepped out on faith and did what God had commanded her to do through the voice of Elisha. She begins to fuel pots of oil out of the only thing she possessed. I didn't think I had it in me. I didn't think that much was there. I didn't know all of that was there. He just said, keep pouring. Just keep pouring. And when that vessel gets full Get another one, get another one, get another one. She had to move forward with what she had. I realize this is somewhat simplistic and I haven't challenged any theologians in this building today, but I'm telling you, I hope I've appealed to your faith through the word of God. Amen, the first one vessel, then another, then another, then another. And she finally gets to the point where it's time for the oil to run out, where she thinks it's gonna run out, but it just keeps flowing and it flows. And as long as there was a vessel to fill, God supplied that need. In truth, he desires to take one pot that we have and if we'll obey him and trust him and follow him, then he'll allow that to create an endless supply. The Bible says in verse number six, and the oil stayed. The provision was not just uh, more than enough, but it was sufficient to meet the need of every vessel that was in that house. The Bible says, then she came and told the man of God, and he said, now here's what you do with the oil. Go, go take that oil and sell it and pay off the debt. And then he said this. I think it's very key. And then live thou and thy children off of the rest. This wasn't just enough to pay her debt. This wasn't just enough to keep her sons out of from being a bond slave. He said, you sell that, pay that debt off, and you live the rest of your life off of what I have done here today. Amen, God can and he will do that. Let's stand together. Max Lucado says this, God honors faith. God honors faith. He said, when arcs are built, lives are saved. When soldiers march, Jerichos tumble. When staffs are raised, seas open. When lunch is shared, thousands are fed. And when the hand of just one woman with a need presses through the crowd and touches the hem of his garment, Jesus stops. He always responds to faith. Faith. Noah, what are you doing, sir? I'm building an ark. (laughs) I'm building an ark. To the saving of his own family, he built an ark. Moses, we're in a jam, sir. I don't know if you know it, but the enemy's closing in. You hear all that noise? That's not a party. What, what are we going to do, Moses? And Moses stretches out that rod. Somebody must have been thinking, what in the world are you doing? I'm using what I have.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.